when that chant of Taxi for Micon started, it just rolled around the stands and it got louder and louder and louder and everybody in that stadium was on their feet. thoroughly enjoyed as we did yesterday's chat with the fantastic Martin Cloak an award winning author and seasoned journalist who has very much has spurs in his blood which is absolutely reflected in his numerous books including One Step from Glory The Glory Glory Nights and many many more which are available on his website Martin clearly knows his stuff but how well does he remember the 2010-11 campaign Sim and Peter are back alongside Martin virtually of course to help Whitey One piece this historic season together. Hello, guys. How are we all today? Hi. Not too bad. Not too bad. All good. Sun is out, guys. So 2010-11 saw the club embark on its first Champions League adventure since the old European Cup rebranded to what it is now back in 1992. But even so, the last time we had featured at all in Europe's top club competition was in 1961-62 when we were champions of England and made it to the semi-finals where we met a match in the shape of Eusebio's Benfica. We're now quite used to welcoming Europe's elite and hearing that music year on year. But how special was it to see Champions League football at the old White Hart Lane? Martin, can I go to you first? How did you feel about our first season back in the Champions League? I think I just about got over my hangover from the, the City game when we qualified the <laughs> season. By the time that one started, it was fantastic. And let, remember at the start of that season, one of the most exciting signings we'd ever made, Rafa van der Vaart. Yeah. And nowhere. And that was one of those players when... You know, whenever he got the ball, there was like that ripple of like excitement that went around the ground, didn't there? As well, he knew something was going to happen, so he was fantastic to watch. So it started off really well, and I think we'll talk about the rest of the season. But it really was all about the Champions League that year as well. I think I'm still paying off that I went to every away game apart from the the first one, which may have been just as well. I think I'm still paying that off on my credit card actually as well. <laughs> I thought this might be the only time we do it, but yeah, I mean, it was just a fantastic season just for the Champions League alone, really. Uh, Peter, how do you how do you feel? How did you feel? Obviously, uh, you know, this is first season for everyone, really. Champions League. How did you feel, Peter? Yeah, it was just gave me a shiver down my spine to hear that Champions League anthem being played, and we were involved. I mean, that was always sort of reserved for the cartel of Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Chelsea. You know, they were the people who were dining at the top table. So just to see us involved in that was a great. Great feeling, and that particular season with the Champions League campaign was special. Yeah, it really was. Sim, how did you feel? You were quite young at the time, obviously. I was, yeah. yeah I, I felt like the Champions League was four years overdue, really. My first season supporting Spurs would have been the 05 06 season, so you know, I, was, I was a bit hit as we all were by Lasagna Gate and, and missing out on that for what would have been the 06 07 season. But I was, I was quite sad that Wembley hosted our first season back in four years after this season because obviously White Hart Lane was under redevelopment and it was our last season there. But just because of how special the 2010-11 the season felt there and like Peter said, hearing the music and you know seeing people, seeing players like Ronaldo and, it, and Ibrahimovic playing there, but then people like Bale, Modric, Van der Vaart pulling on the shirt for us and doing us proud and showcasing our boisterous little cauldron that was White Hart Lane. I was really upset in 16-17 when they played their games at Wembley because I thought that was the last chance to, to really have those special 
those special nights at the old place in the Champions League, and that was that was a shame. I agree. But, and then the, and the start the start of the the season, you know, Harry Redknapp was the manager. And do we do we sort of obviously Martin just talked about that great night at Manchester City, which I'm sure we'll come on to. But do we think that you know the transfers? Do we kick on enough? Do you think we should have done better in the transfer window? Just just to recap, we signed Sandro Gallus on a free Van der Vaart. Martin, do you feel we sort of missed the trick there in that transfer window? I think that's probably the story of the last ten years, really, isn't it? And in you know, hindsight, is uh, is a wonderful thing. I, I think the issue at the time was that. Remember that you know Redknapp wasn't a universally popular choice, was he, among, amongst the fans as the manager? No. And I think when we'd appointed him the season before, it was at a stage when that was really the only option. And everyone said, like, you know, Redknapp and, and Daniel Levy working together doesn't seem like a, a match made in heaven. But there was a bit of a suspicion among a section of the fans that Redknapp's transfer dealing wasn't necessarily what, what they'd have wanted. So that kind of added to the criticism that, that the club had, really, uh, about what was going on. But uh, again... You know, it's all relative, but we were, we'd very much kind of gone into much bigger territory as well, that we were, we were competing with the big boys in Europe as well. And a lot of those teams had got absolutely stacks of money because they were, they were Champions League regulars. And that was our first season in the Champions League. So I think that was part of it. I mean, you know, without knowing who was available, you never know. But I think at the time, you know, we were certainly delighted at the Van der Vaart transfer. I remember when yeah. Sandro came in, first of all, and I think we had players in that position, thinking about Zakora as well in seasons past, who, who we thought, right, we've got, the, we've got a guy now. And it never quite happened. It never quite stayed there for long enough as well. So it took a little bit longer to kind of work out whether we'd done the right thing. But um, I, I think looking back, you know, most people say if we'd have been a little bit more ambitious at the time, then we could have done better. But, we're, you know, we, you never know what, what's happened with these transfer deals. You never know. You know yeah, what, I agree what wasn't discussed as well so and then everybody makes a judgment depending on you know the opinion about who they liked and who they didn't like beforehand don't they I just want to throw out the the, the, the couple of players who, who did move in that transfer window so City bought Yaya Toure for 24 million David Silva for 24 million and City also bought Cholera for 16 million Peter do you, can you imagine if we'd you know we'd done a good season the season before imagine if we'd have bought Yaya Toure where yeah. would you know where would we be yeah, see, so your, your question, did we kick on? I think my answer's got to be a resounding no. You know, it's just, I feel that, it's just a, a feeling of us trying to do it on the cheap. Van der Vaart, as good as he was, I think he was the last minute present that Levy gave to Harry, right, at, you know, on deadline day, you know, and he turned out to be like a folk hero. But people like Gallus, I don't know, but Gallus did quite well for us, but wouldn't you say that he'd given his best years to the... <laughs> the blue and the red scum of this city. <laughs> when you said so, I mean, I, I just felt that we we didn't kick on. No, you know, we could have. Yeah, I mean, I think Sim. We, you know, Gomez was our first choice goalkeeper. Then, in hindsight, is it easy to sort of say, you know, that was a key position. We should have invested more there, and also possibly the centre midfield position, Sim. Yeah, I mean, Gomez was a pretty much a disaster that season, wasn't he? It was funny because he's... Liability. He, yeah, when, when I think of Gomez, I think of three seasons, his first season, his second season, his first season. And there was a really good campaign for him that was that seemed to have been sandwiched in the middle. And that was the one where we did qualify and finish fourth. And, you know, I, I, I remember he, he became a bit of a fan's favourite in that season. And I, I quite liked him. But just in, the, the two, the, in his first season and in this one here, he just let us down so many times and... So many mistakes in key games and in key competitions, and you know, you know we punched above our weight in in this season really because you think about Van der Vaart 
got him very cheap, but he was a revelation. And Gallas, I thought, was good for the for a year as well. But we, we definitely did. I, I agree with you all that we did try and do it on the cheap. And in, in terms of the centre midfields, maybe not so much because I thought Modric. Obviously, Modric is a fantastic player, and I thought Sandro was coming up to being maybe one of the best holding midfielders in the league at the time. My, that's my personal opinion. I thought he was fantastic. I did like Sandro. But yeah, we could have done better than Stephen Pienaar. Yeah. In January. Also, at the time, Sim Palacios was playing centre midfield. Again, not a bad player, but you're relying on someone like that to punch above their weight, and that's yeah. what we did really in that season. I thought. Yeah, you mentioned you'd earlier mentioned Zakora, who was supposed to be the upgrade on Carrick, who replaced Carrick. Well, he was no he was no Michael Carrick, and just coming back to you know the season in question, we were I think trying to. So we, we were just doing it at a level below. When you talk about your yeah, yeah, Torres and people like that, we were doing it at a level below that, I think. I think Martin made the point about, you know, that, it's, it's, that seems to be the issue over many, many seasons, not bolstering enough in transfer windows. Martin, do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? It's hindsight, isn't it? I mean, I think, you know, we've said in, in hindsight, it didn't really work. But you just look at the, the conversation we had about Gomez. The season before, everyone went, actually, we've got a really good goalkeeper. And then it turned out that he wasn't a really good goalkeeper. Palacios, actually, I think could have been a really, really good player. But, but the whole thing that happened with his brother, you know, that absolutely terrible yeah, that story. Terrible. And that, it's never really the same after that. Yeah. So stuff happens. I mean, you know, could we have signed Yaya Toure? It'd be nice to think so. I, I genuinely don't know. And it's not making excuses to saying that I don't know who we brought in. Because again, we weren't a Champions League regular side at the time. So people were looking at us. And yeah. It's just about the money. It's a lot of it's about money. It's about whether people see you as a good destination that's, that's, for their career. True. And it was to us to convince them that it was. That's a great point. I mean, we, we actually, if we could sort of go through some of the Premier League games now. I mean, we actually, you know, we started at home 0-0 to Man City. Uh, Sim, do you, do you remember any special games that season which stick out? I mean, there's obviously a, uh, a few. Yeah, in particular, I think the, the man beside me would probably be better. And, and uh, some of you guys might have been there as well. I wasn't there, but the 3-2 win at Arsenal. Yeah, um, our only win at the Emirates to date, uh, apart from that League Cup win a couple of years ago. Yeah, that was special. I've still got... Van der Vaart's penalty on my phone somewhere. Fabregas completely bossed the game in the first half and we we didn't get a kick. And then the second half, Harry did something really tactical and brought on um, Defoe. And Modric was totally imperious in the second half. Just a game of two halves, literally. Like, complete change of fortune. 2-0 down, 1-3-2. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kabul scored the winner and... Early kickoff, so plenty of time to get lagered up afterwards as well. <laughs> and Martin, what it, what it, what what special games for you that season? That game was special, but for different reasons. I've been lucky enough to go to pretty much every North London derby for years, and there's one that I missed. So guess which one it was. I was at a wedding that day, uh, and at the wedding, the bride's father had a heart attack, and we had no access to anything else at all. And obviously, it was more important to, to sort that out. So I didn't even realise. I knew we were 2-0 down, so I thought, well, that's that then. But I didn't realise until quite a long time afterwards at one three two. So maybe I should just not go to that oh game. The league was funny that year, wasn't there? Because there were, there were a lot of cock-ups in games as well. And uh, it was the Tottenham of old was like, you know, great in the Cups and great in Europe, but, you know, not so good in the league. But then... You know, you look at where we finished that season, it wasn't too bad an effort at all, was it? Yeah, yeah we finished fifth. And also, we, we all sort of seem to highlight where Liverpool finished because they seem to be a bit of a benchmark for us. Liverpool finished sixth, so a game yeah. below us. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we beat them at Anfield, didn't we, that year as well? 
Yeah, we did. Um, and was there any really, really disappointing games for you guys? I mean, losing away at Blackpool for me was just ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, any, anyone else have any really disappointing games? Yeah, that Blackpool game, I was tortured by a work colleague about that. <laughs> I didn't even know that game was on because it was a rearranged one and it was suddenly shoved it in the midweek and uh, I just came to work and she was sort of laughing at me. She said, oh, you lost to Blackpool and it really, and we could have gone third as well. That stands out as a disappointment for me. Yeah. Martin, any, any games which you went to which you really thought, oh, Jesus, this is rock bottom? The Blackpool game was a real disappointment and that, that we had a bad run after that, didn't we? Was it one, one in ten? Winning team. Yeah. That kind of, you know, really finished things off. It was a bit of a lacklustre end to the season, but possibly people say it's arrogant, but you, you, we would have expected to go to Blackpool and win and to, and to lose like that, I think was, was a bit of a body blow really, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Sim, we drew a lot of games that season. Do you think had we invested a little bit more in that? I know it's easier saying it now, you know, with, with these special players like a David Silva, not assuming that being arrogant that he'd come to us, but <laughs> do you think we should have thrown money at it and those draws could have turned into wins? Yeah, no, that's the thing. It's, it, you're looking at the run of results towards the end of the season, the, the last 12 games, and like Martin said, there was that run of one win in 10, which just ultimately cost us. We finished six points off fourth. That second half of the season does coincide with us still being in the Champions League, and we got to the quarterfinal against Madrid. I, I assume that would have been in April, because that's when that stage of the competition usually is, late March at the, yeah. late March at the earliest. So there's, there's a possibility that with focus on that competition and not really spending any money and maybe a small squad that we might just run out of steam and just too many things to think about and that's maybe what cost us in the league, yeah. Money doesn't always solve it really, so I think we went to the uh, game at home against AC Milan and they had a very mercenary Rubinho in their lineup. I seem to remember. Oh, yeah. I don't know what kind of money they were paying him and, uh, <laughs> and also Ibrahimovic was in their side as well, I seem to remember. But they, they will have been paid good, you know, good dosh. And I don't think we'd have ever paid that kind of wages. But, you know, I think you, you, you look at what other clubs were spending. Definitely I mean, punching we, above we our going, weight again. If we can move on to the Champions League now. So, as Martin said earlier on, it started badly. He went to every away game, but he didn't go to the first one. Which was, we had a qualifying game against young boys where we were 3-0 <laughs> down um, after 28 minutes. So, Plastic I mean, pitch. Martin, what, what, what was your favourite away journey in the Champions League that season? It's a bit of a toss-up, actually, because the obvious one is Inter uh, away. And even though we lost it, I mean, that was the arrival of Bale on the international stage, wasn't it? And I yeah. think that, you know, again, for those of us of a certain age, Italian football had that kind of draw. So, like, you know, we're going to the San Siro. That was special. And then I think when we got there, it wasn't quite as special as we as we hoped it might have been, just in terms. It's a slightly kind of decrepit stadium, really. We had these kind of dreams, and it was this kind of palatial venue. Yeah. But look, we had a great day out in Milan, and I mean, I, you know, there were so many Spurs fans over there. I was in the, I was in the away section, right up in the gods. But looking down to my right, there was a block of it must have been about five thousand in the home section, and it was solid Tottenham. And my mate Adam was there, texting me saying, "No, they're, they're serving us trays of sambuca down here." And of course, we were on the the no alcohol, you know, in the uh, in in the away section, you know, and we'd all thought. You know, Spurs have done it again. You know, we were getting absolutely hammered, weren't we, in the first half? And then that second half was just incredible. And I mean, the atmosphere in the away section was just—we were just going wild. It's like we'd won it. And a mate of mine was in, uh, managed to get himself a ticket in the hospitality bit, and he was sitting with a lot of the, the home fans. And he said they were absolutely panicking at the end of the game and just like shouting and screaming at the referee to blow the whistle because they were convinced they were getting beat. Bale destroyed them. He absolutely destroyed them. For me, they sort of talk about the Bale 
being brilliant in the away game, but the home game where he didn't score, he was just unplayable in the home game. I think, Peter, you went to that game, didn't you? No, no, this is a weird one. This is a game that I actually missed because I, <laughs> I had a, one of my uh, songwriting partners was coming over from New York, and she, it was the only night that we could meet, and it just happened to clash with that Tuesday night. So I actually, one of our best games which is like in White Hart Lane folklore I missed it yeah. Sim watched it on the telly but we went to the AC game the AC Milan game which was notable for Gallus's acrobatic kick off the line claim it off the line we actually won the group though which is uh, interesting because I think when, when the draw came out it was a really tough group for us but we actually won the group. And then a piece, as you say, we drew with Milan in the next round at home, but then Milan away. I mean, that was just fantastic to be a Spurs fan, wasn't it? That was a real, you know, I, I think I criticised Redknapp's tactical nous in the last pod, but did he get it right that time, do you think, Masterclass, Martin? masterclass. I think that was probably his best tactical performance. But just going back a little bit, let's not, and I don't want to rub it in, but that inter-game at White Hart Lane, just... The atmosphere, you know, there's a bit of a myth that's grown up that the atmosphere at the old White Hart Lane was always brilliant, and it wasn't always. People used to complain about it sometimes, kind of 12.30 kickoffs on a Sunday against Hull or whatever. But I, and I've been going a long time, I do not remember anything like it. Literally, it's a cliche, I thought the roof was going to come off. The noise, the, the exhilaration, and when that chant of Taxi for Micon started, and it started, I think, around the cage, and it just rolled around the stands and got louder and louder and louder and everybody in that stadium was on their feet belting that out and we thought we were the kings of the world we're not just beating the european champions we are absolutely humiliating the european champions and people don't believe that bale didn't score a goal that night the whole team just really clicked and that was such a game and we started believing we could really do something and then as you say that ac milan game tactical genius really we played it absolutely right and I think we round them up so much because you remember at the end, Gattuso, you know, we had seen that from where we were in the stadium, but started coming through on the phones. Everyone said, oh, like, Joe Jordan's had a punch-up with Gattuso. And everyone just wouldn't want to be Gattuso in that fight. And then we saw, I think we got far later that was run by a load of Inter fans and they, uh, they saw, do you know what's the game again? We something again, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. I remember Jenis away was, uh, I thought Jenis played well in the game. Yeah, Lennon as well. I think he was a bit underrated for Spurs, actually. Did anyone else think that? No, I, I thought I thought he was brilliant. Lennon, uh, Lennon. Lennon and Jenis in that midfield. Yeah, I was looking at Lennon's stats for that season and he only got two goals in 46 games. I suppose the criticism for him is that he never scored enough goals, but... You know, maybe especially the way we were playing there with him on the right as like a proper orthodox winger, and Bale yeah. as he demonstrated probably the best winger's display I've ever seen in that Inter Milan home game. Lennon made that goal in the game in the San Siro, and he was electric when he was on his when he was on his game. I loved the way that he he was always on the turn when he received it, but he was hugging the touch line. So his first touch would be to yeah. take the ball down the line. I, I loved Aaron Lennon; he was a fantastic yeah. player. Yeah, it could be unplayable. When we sort of got through to the quarterfinals after that momentous Milan odyssey, but do we think Real Madrid we were just 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 a step too far for us at the time? The away game four 0 we got beaten. Adibayor scored. Peter, how did you feel? Do we think they were just just much better than us? Did Gomez let us down in that game? In the away game, I can't remember. I know there was some yeah, calamity. It was a goal for one of the goals. It's, it's just like a, 
Let's All Do the Gomez was the chant that used to go up <laughs> amongst our rivals. Uh, I thought that slightly punching above our weight, but it's just a feeling of anything could be possible after what we did to Inter Milan, you know, um, European champions. But when it comes to the Real Madrid game, they had curiously managed, managed by Mourinho and they had Adebayo and Ronaldo in the team. Funnily enough, we missed the start of that game because we got stuck on the tube going the wrong oh, way. Oh, yeah, we, yeah. So we, we, yeah. we got to White Hart Lane. It was like we were like 10, 15 minutes into the game or something. But I thought anything could have happened. I mean, teams can go on to win that competition without being the best team in the competition, as Chelsea proved. As we nearly proved last yeah. season. Martin, for you, the Madrid one, or was it ruined by the result? It was one of the highlights of the season, really. I mean, all the, the kind of like, you know, you can never enjoy anything unless you win a trophy crowd or be shouting at the computers now. Sorry, listeners. Technical problems caused us to lose around five minutes at the end of the 2010-11 recording. So I'll comprehensively fill in the gaps now. Martin went on to hail the Real Madrid trip, his favourite of all those European journeys that campaign, and used the word magic when asked to sum up the season in one or two words. Peter didn't quite comply with the rules here, though fantastic European odyssey, despite being three words, still encapsulates our Champions League adventure quite nicely. Real Madrid dispatched us 5-0 in aggregate in the quarterfinals, winning 4-0 at the Bernabeu before a horrific Gomez mistake, letting Cristiano Ronaldo's admittedly fiercely rotating strike through his hands and over the line to clinch a 1-0 second leg success for the Spaniards. The 3-1 Blackpool defeat we highlighted began that run of one win in 10, which included a draw with them at White Hart Lane in May, further home draws against also relegated West Ham, promoted outfit West Brom, and a 3-3 thriller against bitter rivals Arsenal in a game remembered for us turning around a 3-1 deficit, as well as two Rafael van der Vaart goals and a fine left-footed drive from Tom Huddleston. Arsenal did, however, finish fourth, six points in front of us in fifth. Our hunt for a Champions League return interestingly ended away at Man City five days past a year to the day that we'd beaten to qualify in the 2009-10 season, made even stranger by it being a Peter Crouch own goal following his winner there to set up this season's quote fantastic European odyssey that ultimately meant Man City would play in the competition for the first time since their vast cash injection. Two Roman Pavlichenko goals gave us a 2-1 final day win in front of our fans and consigned Birmingham City to relegation. They've been in the championship ever since. Special mentions too in the league to Gareth Bale's terrific raised-legged volley at Stoke to win on match day two, though less glamorously to customary defeats at Old Trafford and Stamford Bridge, where Gomez first placed the ball down to clear only for Nani to stroke the ball into our empty net. Then in the second stated match, let Frank Lampard shot from distance through his cat flap hands. It's still debated whether the ball crossed the line, but history says we lost 2-1, having blown the lead. The Cups weren't worth the dwell, we decided, as we glossed over the 4-1 Carling Cup third-round defeat at home to Arsenal, collapsing in extra time on Stephen Corker's debut, and Croatian keeper Stippi Pletikosa's only Tottenham Hotspur game. The FA Cup was equally disappointing, seeing us crash out in the fourth round at Craven Cottage in a match that Ian Bomond attending, while Peter recalls popping into the kitchen to grab a cold beer only to walk back into his living room to a 2-0 deficit. We'd shipped all four goals by half-time, and skipper for the day, Michael Dawson, was showing a red card for a challenge leading to a penalty. Van der Vaart was our leading goalscorer with 15, followed by Pavlichenko on 14, and both Crouch and Bale on 11. We also said goodbye to former defender Dean Richards in February, and joined hands to remember him with another of his former clubs, Wolverhampton Wanderers, at Molyneux in what was the first Spurs match played after his sad passing. 
Thank you as ever for tuning in, and please do so again tomorrow for the YU1 2009-10 season review.